Another Samhain has come and gone. Why isn't it pronounced Samhain? I don't know. But lots of old world stuff is confusing, and I once got lost in the wilderness of Wales. And even though it's English, it was all just Y's and W's and awkwardly placed T's and H's. Glinda and I hosted the Samhain events this year, a pagan sort of burning of all your bad feelings and keep-the-dark-spirits-at-bay kind of event. She wasn't so keen to find out that I had burned a pair of old sandals she bought for me last year for my birthday, but I was never going to wear them. Now, legend has it that uh, the moment at the end of the harvest is the time at which the barrier between the living and the dead is the weakest. So that's why a lot of ghouls and goblins sneak through. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but Dennis Kinder did slip in 45 minutes late wearing an Al Joker costume, part beloved morning weatherman, part sociopathic murdering clown, which was only slightly better than the time he showed up back in 96 when he came as Ross Tarot. We stressed the importance of the ceremony and encouraged dark robes or wine-colored turtlenecks, but I guess he had plans after to go see his new girlfriend, who at 50 still enjoys going to clubs. I'm all for free-spirited gals, but Yolanda is a lot. Anyway, the rest of us enjoyed some homemade grog and roaring bonfire of old papers, love letters, deeds, and a few old photos of past loved ones. I tried to stifle my smile watching how quickly those old sandals went up. We did the dance of the seven branches stripped to our pagan undergarments and ushered in a new age of magic. And just as we did, Dennis's cell phone alarm went off to the tune of Monster Mash, and we watched in silence as he fumbled to find the button to turn it off, made more difficult on account of his gloves, and then he waved goodbye and got into his Prius and drove off. The rest of us broke out the Samhain s'mores and poured ourselves another horn of grog, safe in knowing that the doorway to the other realms would remain accessible and we could always find comfort in the place we call the Deep Night. French. Hello and good harvest to you all. I'm your host, Guru and Guy. Through this next hour of regrets and revelations, we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And it's time to rake your personal leaves into piles and set them on psychic fire, or use a noisy blower thingy to push them into the darkest gutters of your mind cavities. The black and bendy parts where your brain tissue hides all the trauma of growing up poor and insecurities about the color of your teeth. Because the solstice will be here soon, and all this stuff you've just been holding on to, it's time to get rid of it. Just as sure as the corn has been shorn and carted off to be made into whatever they make out of dead corn, just as the pumpkins all turn to rot, so too will that negative energy within us. And friends, as we enter the end of the year, let us go in with a clean vessel, free ourselves from the cobwebs of despair. Today on the program, we have someone who's just starting out, really, but someone who seems wise beyond her years. Comedian Natalie Cuomo is my guest today, and I was thrilled she could join me in the deep night. 
There's always so many new people coming up through the comedy ranks. Natalie has a big show coming up uh, with the New York Comedy Festival, where I, I gather she was already in it. Uh, it's a new voice, a new face. So many different shows happening all the time in New York. Like I said, she's uh, just uh, bursting out there on the scene. She trained as an actor, and we talk about how this shy kid from Queens started on her path to self-acceptance and, and great command of her talents. She runs the popular Mudgut show in Brooklyn, so let's go now to my conversation with Natalie Cuomo. Natalie Cuomo, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Welcome to the Deep Night. I'm so glad this worked out. Oh, yeah, me too. Thank you. Now, I gather you were just in Paris. I was just in Paris. That's a nice thing to say, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what brought you over there this time? Uh, was it your first time there? It was my first time in Paris, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Fall. Paris, mm -hmm. you can't beat it. It was incredible. I loved it. That's amazing. And did you get a chance to explore the city? I did a little bit. I was there working for a family. I worked for FIAC, which is a an art fair. Yes. Yeah. The French uh, International Art something, probably. Oh, yes. Probably. Convention, I think. Oh. <laughs> or some French word for convention. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a fun. Do you have a, a, a background in that? No, it was a, it was a family I was babysitting for, and they said, uh, "Babysit a little, work the art fair, and welcome to Paris." <laughs> Natalie, so far I'm jealous. I know of your entire setup here. It's very incredible. <laughs> and that's really so. They're involved in what running the fair or something? Uh no, they, it was, they're uh, gallerists. Gallerists. Yes. All right, now we're getting to it. Yes. In Los Angeles. Yes. Okay. All right, a big one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It was nice. <laughs> you don't have to name them. That's <laughs> uh, what kind of work do they show? Uh, contemporary art. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like it? I do like it. I do. <laughs> the work that they uh, show? I do. It's very conceptual. Oh. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. A lot of boxes. Pointing A lot of stripes. To... Oh, stripes. A lot of stripes. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, that must have been terribly exciting. Yeah, I, I definitely find it easier to appreciate that kind of work when you understand the artist's background. Yeah. And what better way to learn about it than By selling this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> selling it. Yeah. <laughs> My wife Galinda and I went to Paris once about mm -hmm. this time of year uh, in the fall eating breads. So many breads. So much bread. Oh. And cheese as and well. And cheese. Yes, thank you. The cheese is everywhere. And also like metaphysical bookshops and tarot places. Oh, yes. Did you go to any of those? I didn't. No. I'm jealous, though. Oh, they're, they're, they're down. The next time you go, you must look a few up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Generally, though, are you into tarot? I am, actually. Aha. Uh -huh. I see. Yeah. And you do the readings yourself? I'm learning how to do them. I definitely collect a few decks, but... Uh -huh. uh, I can do a reading. I feel like I have good intuition with pulling cards, but I need a little help doing the reading. I'm still learning the meanings of them. Me too. Yeah. I'm always a little bit frightened of it in the same way I'm frightened of Ouija boards. I was about to say, yes. Yeah, because uh, that seems to be the only other time I've ever seen a Ouija board move around. It's always like a demon. It's always like a bad deal there. <laughs> right. You know, it's like the alt-right of yeah. the ghost world <laughs> is coming through. Uh, but I want, like, happy, happy ones. And right. the tarot one can be a nice experience, though, but I am afraid of getting an upside-down tower right. or something and realizing that, mm -hmm. 
everything's going to go. Uh, well, it's symbolic. I feel like, especially when you're doing multiple card readings, you can kind of put the pieces together. Yeah. And it's comforting. Have you had a memorable reading yourself? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, fair enough. <laughs> I suppose, like, what's memorable is like the affirmation of, uh, like, I like to pull a daily card. You do? Yeah. Uh huh. And it's just a random card from the deck. Yeah. Based on intuition. Yes. Did you do one today? I did not. I knew you would ask that. <laughs> I was like, should I lie? No. <laughs> that's all right. I want you to be honest. That wouldn't be the spirit of the tarot. No, 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 no. That's true. You would mess things up there a little bit. I really would. Yeah, they'd know. <laughs> uh, recently, what was a card that pulled and then it defined your day? Um, Yeah, or it just like makes me reflect in a certain way. Like I, I, I usually use oracle decks. Oracle decks, which is what? An oracle deck is like a tarot deck, but it's less specific. Uh-huh. It doesn't have uh, like, less specific. It doesn't have all the four suits and stuff like that. And okay. there's more freedom for the artist to create different cards and assign meaning to them. I see. Yeah. Okay. So you you bring a little bit more to that one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a little more funky. Funky. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the illustrations like? Oh, they're beautiful. It just varies on the deck. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, I wasn't expecting to go this far into tarot I know. Decks, I'm so sorry. No, no. I, I mean, I opened this up. Uh, I only have two two decks right now. One is a kind of ancient deck. Wow. Uh, that has some black and white imagery. Thoth? No. N- no, it's not that one. Uh, but then another one has a kind of, is a Philly-inspired. Ooh. With all the, you know, you get the uh, gritty card and all that, and it's a lot of fun. Ben Franklin. Oh, my God. Those kind of things. It's maybe too specific. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> I recently bought a RuPaul's Drag Race tarot deck, oh, yeah. and that is what I call specific. <laughs> right. Has it gone too far? <laughs> <laughs> At what point is it just about profit, I guess? Yeah, it's it's disappointing. There's a whole article in The New Yorker about astrology. Do you do that kind of thing, too? I do like astrology, yeah. It's nice. Here's the thing about both of them. Uh, I find them very comforting. Mm-hmm. End of the day, as you said, in this affirmation of where I'm already heading, I had a very nice tarot reading done, my first one, because I finally said, okay, here we go. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you're on the right path. Things are okay. You should uh, advance a creative thing, Mm. which is what I needed to hear in that moment. I had my palm read once. Mm-hmm. They said, you have the most distinct lines I've ever seen. So you're, you're definitely doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Thank you very much. And astrology, I read that Chinese menu. Okay. You know, and you got the 12, the zodiac. That's mm-hmm. different. I know. I know. But we'll come back to astrology. Okay. Because it ties in. Yes. Natalie. Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> okay. I'm going too far into this. No. But uh, I read the thing about a rabbit, huh? which is what I am. Okay. I read the thing about a Libra. Oh. It's perfectly me. Okay. Interesting. I Do you find that yourself when you read them? Yeah. I feel like... Uh, I definitely try to incorporate, like, I'll read the sign of my rising and my moon and my sun, oh. and I'll look at the way that they, like, incorporate with each other. Yes. You know? Yeah. So it's interesting to take into the Chinese astrology as well. I've never thought of doing that. It just seems that it's all right. Yeah. I mean, it all lines up for me. Well, I was watching, like, one of those silly videos on Instagram yeah. about, like, Scorpio. Yes. And I really related to it. And I was like, well, you know, my Venus is in Scorpio. So. So there you are. And what's the main sign? <laughs> my main sign is Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Yes. That's an interesting one. Yes. What is that, January? When does that happen? It's December. December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
cold month for a birthday. Yeah, I, I love that month. It's a great one. <laughs> it worked out for some people. <laughs> one I can think of. But now, if you so you told me, this is Natalie, she's from Paris, I wouldn't blink. I would say, okay, yep, that makes oh, sense. Why, thank you. But in fact, uh, you're from Queens. I am, yes. Yeah. And what part of Queens did you grow up in? I grew up in Bayside and Astoria. Okay, two great places. Yeah. Two pla- in that I know what they are. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I assume a different Cuomo than the one we're uh, familiar with. I know, yeah. Yeah. Different Cuomo. Yeah, di- a different branch. Exactly. At some point, the same family. I know. <laughs> but, but not getting a lot of governor's uh, invites. Not getting any money from that. <laughs> no bridges named after you yet. 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 Soon. And as a kid growing up in Queens, uh, what are we talking about? What is it like? What's the uh, what's the scene there? What are you into? Uh, I think it was difficult for me because I never went to school in the same neighborhood that I lived in. So I think I had like a struggle creating community. Yeah. And I was kind of envious of people that had that like guaranteed suburban like community just based on where they were situated. And that's a, a quirk of the school system where you have to go to some a different school or you were just put into maybe a school in a different neighborhood? Um, I guess with high school, there's like a weird New York City public school thing where there's like you have to apply, you have to go see them. It's like going to college. It's yeah. very weird. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like growing up in New York made me exposed to a lot more quickly and made me mature more quickly and... I'm proud of it. That can be a little bit dicey, though, can it? Yes. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I felt I was maturing quickly as an only child. Yes. Because you have to relate to parents all the time. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes you think, well, I don't want to be the third adult in this situation. Totally. Although I got a taste for martinis very early. (laughs) But the point is, uh, and so, uh, but but what were you you thinking about then? Did you want to go into acting at a young age? Yes, acting was always like my passion, my dream. Yeah, uh, and and why? Well, when I I was like a very scared little kid, and so when I was in kindergarten, um, I was like terrified of the auditorium. Oh, and what was going on in there? I don't know. I think there were so many people, but then I was cast in a play. I was the pear in the Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> Oh, well. And I know. <laughs> that's that's pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah. Um, and apparently I had so much fun that my mom <laughs> signed me up for acting classes, and I had been, I'd been going ever since. So this shyness melted away when you were on stage. Yes. As the pair. Yes, I was the pair. Are you close to any of the other fruits in that uh, uh, show? <laughs> no, I'm not close to the other fruits. <laughs> no. I'm actually allergic to pears now. Well, that's quite a turn. I know, quite ironic. <laughs> you couldn't have seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, well, that's a, that's beautiful. Then you 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 found yourself on stage. Yes. I remember thinking in middle school that I would like to go out for some of the shows and things, and but I was shy, mm-hmm. like you're saying, and uh, I was thinking I'll just work the boards. I'll just be behind the stage, and I'm sitting there and I listen to all the auditions and I learned all the lines uh-huh. and I learned all the notes. I said, well, I'll just go out for it. Yeah. Got the lead. Haven't looked back, Natalie. Uh, what play? Oh, it was a good one, too. It was, uh, uh, what was it called? Teen 2, The Competition. Oh, oh wow. an original work. You oh. Know, when you, some of the school systems, you know, you, you, you can't afford the big numbers yet. 
yes. when you're just launching a drama program. So you pay for the rights for something that somebody thought was a good idea. Teen two. <laughs> I love that. Don't worry. I was also in teen three. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh terrible. I remember trying to. Anyway. We don't need to go into it. Look it up. People can look it up, and I'm sure you'll be richly rewarded wow. uh, for that. So, okay. But how do you get from the pair to Stella Adler? Um, well, I went to Strasbourg in high school. I did, like, the teen program. Then I did Stella Adler's, like, teen summer thing in yes. high school. Is that hard to get into? Is it an audition process? Um, Off the record, I would say... The teen programs are not very hard to get into. Okay. Um, you know that this is being recorded, though. I know. <laughs> okay. You know, I encourage you to celebrate any acceptance, but I do think that they're they're less rigorous for kids. Sure. Okay. Um. Anyway, so I did that, and I was very into acting. But uh, in college, I went when I went to college. I went to Bard College. Yes. And I, for some reason, was just graduating in three years because I had these credits and I had to pick my major the first semester. Uh huh. So I picked environmental and urban studies. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Did that. Um, didn't like it. So when I left Bard, I went to Stella Adler. I see. So you had this extra year kind of thing. Or yeah. you just didn't like it. Uh, environmental and urban studies. Yeah, yeah. It's just so painfully depressing. Oh, okay. And like there's just All this right. feeling that, yeah. You'd, you'd rather act. <laughs> um, I'd rather contribute to the emotional well-being of society first. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> yes, good. Now, I know uh, from historical anecdotes what the Stella Adler School is all about with mm -hmm. your big names like the Marlins, Brandos, and your De Niro's and Stritches and all that. But as a contemporary person, which you are, mm -hmm. what was it like there when you were there? I mean, is it, a, it must be a kind of a different scene, or were they really carrying the legacy forward? Did it feel vital when you were there? Yes. Um, I felt that it was very much about, like, they were, they were focused on voice and speech classes and movement classes at just as much as they were on the technique. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool. It did feel that my technique teacher had that Stella Adler intense energy. Yes. Um, I'm saying yes, but I've never, I, I'm a, I can imagine what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I after I finished Stella Adler, though, I'd say the acting experience I learned the most from is I studied with this man named Wynn Hanman. I don't know if you know who he is. I don't. He is just the most incredible person in the universe. Wow. How'd you find him? Um, a friend of mine recommended him. He used to run the American Place Theater. Okay. And now he's this 95-year-old man who still teaches acting classes and... Uh, he taught me so much, and they're, they're actually making a Netflix documentary about him. Oh. <laughs> um, but Are you going to be in it? No. Oh, okay. But he really is – I did take his class and then go, wow, what was I doing in school? Like, this is, this is acting class. This is the thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he unlocked some other kind of uh, – gave you some other kind of tools and things to use. Yeah. Because Adler is a, a, what a, like a physical kind of working outside in. Yeah, it is. A little bit? I mean, not only drawing on your emotional uh, history, your personal pain and experiences, making a little bit of a break there, and, and 
thinking more about the physicality and then how that gets you into the character. Is that true? Totally. Actually, Stella Adler is very against drawing from your personal past experiences. Right, right. right. And instead it's about like script analysis and Yes, let the let the words guide you. Right. Sorry to jump on you. No, I got, no, no. I got excited. It's um, very exciting. <laughs> so now if you were to uh, perform the role of Natalie Cuomo, yes. where would you start? Um, I suppose in the womb. No. Uh, <laughs> A one-woman show. I guess. Uh, what do you mean where would I start? I mean, if you were to take on the character mm-hmm. of yourself. Yes. Where do you think you'd have to start to enter into it? What would be the, the key uh, characteristic, the physicality that you feel oh. like you uh, would gain access to? Hmm. Um, I think the, the arc of my life has been trying to find self-acceptance and self-love in myself. Yeah. Well, that's great. Just built, yeah. So find that. So indeed, not a physical thing necessarily. Well, I think it would be like the lack of that growing into believing in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's happening for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and so the, the person's name is what? Win. Win Handman. Win Handman. Yes. Uh, what was the the sort of the top level thing from him that you got? Well, he did these things called character interviews. So if you were working on a scene, you would sit in the chair as a character, and he would just, like, talk to you as the character. What's that like? It's very immersive. (laughs) I imagine so. It's really cool. (laughs) You'd go, I don't care what Natalie has to say. I care about the character. Yes. And you're like, ah. (laughs) And so were there some memorable characters that you worked on from that? Um, I worked on... Stella from Streetcar. Yes, I've also played that part. Oh, wow. You must yes. have been fabulous. It was intense. <laughs> you look like her. It was very experimental. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our uh, Stanley was a pile of meat. Wow. Yes. Sounds like it was in Brooklyn somewhere. <laughs> Close, in Providence. But it was uh, um, not unlike some of this conceptual work you probably saw at the fair. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Heady stuff. Yeah. Did you do any experimental theater? No. No? Well, good. Avoid it. (laughs) Otherwise, you end up talking to a pile of meat. (laughs) Uh, So that was... uh, was... So this isn't a joke. You really talk to a pile of meat. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow. (laughs) So far, none of it's a joke. Chicken, beef, pork? (laughs) Oh, it was steak. Steak, some raw steak we caught from the butcher. Uh, Were there any people protesting? This is animal cruelty. No, no. There there weren't any people. (laughs) There we go. Oh, to have protests. Uh, that would be something. <laughs> would have enhanced our uh, audience numbers. But uh, no. So uh, uh, so you worked on Stella. That's a, that's a fun part. Yes. And I then I also, experience. Lily Tomlin and her partner, yes. they wrote this book that I don't remember the name of, and it was a series of monologues. I worked on that a lot. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And were you, did you perform any of those? Did you get up? Were you uh, doing stuff theater in, in New York? Um, I did a few plays. Yeah. But I didn't do enough. <laughs> That's okay. Well, you still have plenty of time. My I goodness. suppose. Uh, uh, and then at what point, now we're getting to it. Yes. Does comedy enter into it? Um, I felt frustrated with finding 
work in acting. Is it difficult? <laughs> no, it's so fucking easy. <laughs> Please. Um, ah! it, and I just felt like uh, I'd always wanted to do stand-up. Really? So I was, Why is that? I don't know. This shy kid as the pair always harbored a little uh, love for the comedy? Yeah, I think I, I love being the center of attention. Okay. And, uh, do you think shy was, being a, was a method of getting that? That people had to come to you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I like that idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you experienced? Ah, uh, no, but I can be very quiet yes. in a room. And sometimes the quiet is a balance to whatever else is happening. Right. And so I can draw focus that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a variation on, a, on that idea. Yeah. Whether I'm doing it very actively or not, I just know that that is my... I like one-on-one interactions. I'm not the big group kind right. of a thing. Right. Which Me again. Too. It's not great for audiences. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, so uh, acting, frustrating. Comedy, what did you see that made you want to do comedy? Though? I just had I had so much more control in my career and, yes. and when I got to perform. Were there people you were looking to, though, as a young person? Did you, did, when did the idea of even stand-up enter into it, or was it just always there? Um, I forget because we had, there's probably a couple of years' age difference between us. Only a few. <laughs> And things were slightly different then versus when you were growing up. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I looked to a lot of stand-ups my whole life. And I also just like writing, creating my own material. And so I went to an open mic and yeah. in New York. Yes. And uh, haven't stopped since. Wow. And how, how long ago was that? That was about two years ago. Two years ago. Yes. Pretty good. Yeah. And, and and then what happens uh, uh, that uh, you end up with the comedy uh, residency? What was that? Uh, at the store? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's in Los Angeles. Yes. All right. So we have to figure out. Now you're doing uh, mics. You're getting a little bit of traction in New York. Mm-hmm. And then what happens to get you to uh, L.A.? Incidentally, great that you also have a background in acting. Yes. And a solid foundation in the stage because... Not every comedian has that. It's true. And there's some basics that I always see people, you know, they get it, they learn it. But the things that I was doing, and if you're talking about experimental theater or whatever, the basics of how to stand on the stage, mm-hmm. of how to respect the space that it is, how to uh, find your light, how to project basic tenets of how to breathe <laughs> of theater come into play more often than you would think. Even in stand-up. It's a performance. It is a performance. Yeah. It's creating a character. Totally. It's creating a persona. Do you do you find that you have a different persona on stage? I think people have said that to me. Yeah. I think I'm just devel- I'm developing who that person is. Yeah, I guess it's early, too. Yeah. Yeah. But you've come to, you've, you've already had a bit of a journey. I have, actually. So now you're, now you're getting there. Mm-hmm. The self-acceptance piece is a big part of it. Yes. Because certainly not all comedians are there at the self-acceptance piece. Well, you got to love yourself. Otherwise, you can't do shit. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, comedy store. How do you get to Los Angeles? Um, I've been doing a lot of shows in New York for a while, I guess a year. Yeah. And um, I started dating someone that lived in Los Angeles. Okay. And I did something kind of crazy where we had only known each other for a month and a half. And uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> I'm a romantic. <laughs> 
and I um, moved across the country for him. Wonderful. Yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants. Well, we broke up. But <laughs> <laughs> How quickly after moving? Um, nine months. So that's, that's okay. Yes. L.A. is difficult. Uh... <laughs> this could have been something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now every now, so okay. How do you get to so the comedy store? So that's how I got to then? LA. Okay. And um, would you was the idea that you would also do acting there though? Yes, I wanted to. Okay. Um, I wound up just focusing on comedy. Yeah. But I got to LA. But, but you've never given up the acting thing. It's still happening. It is. You can access it at any point. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Go go ahead. Um. So my boyfriend, he had two shows that he produced at the comedy store. Oh, I see. Okay. So I helped him with that. And uh, there's a lot of work that goes into producing these shows and, like, getting yeah. it filled and booking them. I felt that I was a good contribution mm-hmm. to that space. And, yeah, that's how I worked there. The working, producing those shows. Yeah, I I mean, I'm very grateful that he trusted me as his partner to uh, – I would host the shows and he would headline them. Okay. And so, so that is what the residency was? Yes. Okay, kind of being there, uh, doing this show, hosting it, working on the hosting chops, which are slightly different than just going in Absolutely, and, and yeah. doing a, a tight whatever, eight, And 20. especially just like thinking about setting up the stage for other people. Yeah. Um, like I'd feel like I had a good set if everyone else was having a good set. Yes. You know. Yep. You have to keep that energy at a certain level. Yes. Not too high. Right. Not too low. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of balance it out. And if it gets low, you got to bring it back up. Exactly. It's a it's a wonderful skill. I yeah. love hosting. Yes. I think it's my favorite thing. It's very fun. Plus, you get all the attention. Right. And people well, kind of remember it as your show. I don't know. I like hosting, but I think I like, I think I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather do a set for sure. Yeah, well, but, there's nothing wrong with it. You go in, you kill, and you get out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like spending some time with people. Yeah, and I think you get to focus more on your material, and yeah. it's work warming a room up. <laughs> yes. You're like, I put all this work, and now everyone's killing. Fuck you. <laughs> but but some other opportunities came out of that. So, yeah. I th- so I, I put a lot of effort into reaching out. I must have been so annoying. I was just messaging people, messaging people, messaging people. Like, I'm in L.A. Like, fucking. Do it. Let's do this. Yeah. And uh, I think I learned a lot. Um, you know, my ex-boyfriend, he is a very good comic. And I think I I watched his hour probably 400 times Oof. in those nine months. And I think I learned a lot from watching him. Yeah. I guess um, there's got to be something to it. Yeah. And, like, being around other comics and uh, – yeah, I think I, I learned a lot from the style in L.A. It's very different in New York. How so? Uh, I think it's a lot more about stage presence and storytelling and performance. And in New York, it's very like joke, punchline, stand in a corner. And I think combining <laughs> those two is really what can make you a well-rounded comic. Uh-huh. That's probably something to that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To have a, a very specific point of view. Yeah. Always helps. Absolutely. But I like wandering. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, because I really started, you know, in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, uh, the short version of it is. And, and there, they give you a lot of room. Right. And you can just have some space. Yeah. And that's uh, less 
less here, less in L.A. But I didn't do too much in Los Angeles when I lived there. So right. Where did different. you perform? I just did a few. I was kind of in a, a period following divorce where I was re- recalibrating how, how the fun. systems yes. uh, and, and getting my act together and understanding what uh, maybe a podcast might be oh. uh, and taking some UCB classes where I learned how to say yes and <laughs> for $300. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so just a little, there were little things, little things. Yeah. Not a lot of performing. But now I I would love to do, do more there. With the comedy store, though, the only thing I really know about that, yeah, because I have never set foot in it, as far as I know. I went to mm-hmm. the Improv a couple of times. Right. Oh, I did perform there once. Um, it feels I, I only know from like Mark Maron's podcast, essentially, right? Which is a lot after listening to that thing for a long time. Let me tell you, uh, but uh, it feels like a haunted place. Hmm. But maybe that's just like there's a lot of history there. <laughs> yeah, as he describes it. Yeah, it seems like it's loaded. Did it feel that way or no? It was a place was you a, went. It was a wonderful place. I mean, so they have three rooms. Yes. And um, the belly room is where I performed, and that's uh, – the club regulars perform in the original room and the main room, and the belly yeah. room is kind of like externally produced shows. Um, and it was it was such a great experience being able to just pop into the main room and watch these fucking incredible comics that yeah. I've looked up to my whole life and be like, wow, they're right there. <laughs> and that was way more overwhelming for me than I think the history of the club is also really magical. But yeah. being able to just walk in and see Sarah Silverman do 20 minutes just like was a very awesome experience for me as a young comedian. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those folks have come back around to the store to yes. places like that, because when I was there, yeah. it UCB was kind of the magnet for Sarah Silverman, other people like right, that. And yeah. Maybe they perform the other places too, but it seemed like that's where they would drive, or Largo or some of the other other spots. Um, was, it, was it difficult, weird to be dating a, a comedian? Would you recommend it? Uh, I would not recommend it. <laughs> Fair enough. I think he's a wonderful person, but I don't think... I don't mean just him specifically. In, yeah, in but, j- uh, dating a comedian, yeah. I will never do it again. I. <laughs> okay. It doesn't make sense to mix your worlds like that. Yeah. I think it's important to have an outside perspective. I think so, too. And and you don't want to tangle your personal life with your professional world. And you know, just uh, generating material-wise, yeah. it's hard to be with a person who is also generating material off of the same experience. I suppose. And, you know, I don't like being talked about on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Because yeah. they're going to be negative. Like, it's not funny to be like, my girlfriend's so wonderful. Right? right? So. Right. Um, I once dated a gal who... Uh, uh, won't listen to this, but uh, was very um, socially media, social media active, right? And so at, things that we would do would then appear on yes. this thing, and that bothered me, yes, uh, to the point that we're, we're no longer together. But I mean, it just—it was a—I uh, can't explain it. It's exactly, awful, but it's awful. It's also, I think, there's a narcissism involved in anyone in entertainment, yeah, that <laughs> I Fair. don't want to be around. <laughs> Well, you got to be around it a little bit. Well, absolutely, but I don't want to like share my most vulnerable self with that, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And uh, at the the risk of burning bridges here with the comedy uh, club thing, the aesthetics of comedy clubs, you go back to Paris and the art fair and some beautiful works that you've seen. Yes. The aesthetics of comedy clubs is so bad. It's so atrocious. Yeah. It hurts me yeah. sometimes. And the comedy store among them. 
I mean, the graphic design of their website. Oh, you don't like it. <laughs> what are we doing there? There's so much happening. There's so many talented visual communicators of this age. We live in a golden age of that kind right. of thing. And it's, I mean, chaotic. All the layers and the flyers and the, the photos, it's just a, it's a mess. Yes. It's a mess. Yeah. And that keeps me away. <laughs> Interesting. Well, have you been to the stand? That's it's beautiful. I hear one. that's supposed to be a, a new, a new, uh, a, a refresh, and I should probably check it out. Yeah, I yep. understand. I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of clubs could do a refurbishing. Thank I like the yeah. layout. I like I, I like the L.A. clubs. I think I feel like they're not, they're yeah. a little less shabby than the New York clubs. <laughs> Probably. I mean, like, what are the colors at Caroline's? What are we talking about? There? <laughs> what are we doing there? Well, here's the thing: the lights are always off when people are there, so that's. I guess, but I, I went to to UCB recently, the mm-hmm. one that's out there in Forty Fourth, the new right. one. The chairs were already falling apart. How old is that place? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, I thought, is this just? How it has to be. Is this the aesthetic that they like to cultivate, that the environment has to be a little bit crappy for comedy to work, that your expectations Mm. have to be a little bit lowered so that the people on stage are shining? Is that what we're talking about? Well, I don't think most comics dress well. Like, I think something that I've thought about is, like, the clothes that I wear and how that affects my immediate perception when I walk on stage. And I'm not going to wear, like... Occasionally I'll wear a dress if I feel like it, but usually I'll wear jeans and a shirt. It's kind of yeah. like the same thing. Most comics, unless they're doing their special or something, are not going to. And it's an interesting thought because it kind of plays into the aesthetic of the club and it's all kind of the same mindset. Yeah. And I, I acknowledge that you know we're recording in a palatial, beautifully appointed studio. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, little kettle in black. Now... Could I have ironed the turtleneck that I'm wearing today? It's yes, not a I turtleneck. <laughs> Just go along with oh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have an image to maintain. No, it's true. It's not a turtleneck because uh, it's a little. all my turtlenecks oh, are wow. in the wash. I've ruined but everything. Regardless, I should have ironed this shirt, but I thought I was going to be wearing this sweater, but then it got too hot and I had yes. to take it off. Yes. And so I apologize because right. usually I do like to, like flying. I like to dress up for air travel. I hate flying. <laughs> so you don't want to dress up for it? No. no In you... fact, the last flight I was on, halfway through, I said, fuck it, I'm putting on sweatpants. Oh, yes. That's a, that's the uh, Rubicon for me. That's the that's the line you I like will to not wear... cross. Wow. Yeah, sweatpants in public I won't do. Yeah. Yeah. I felt I felt it was very L.A. L.A., I felt the aesthetic yes. was yeah. everyone's wearing workout clothes with a full face of makeup. Yes. And I was like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, so then that, that uh, I, I assume the relationship ends and you come back to New York. Yes. Okay. Was it that clean? Was it like, mm, I got to get out of L.A.? Um. Yeah, I think I was done, and I left. (laughs) Fair enough. I like how clean the decisions are usually here. I mean, they probably didn't feel that way in the moment, but in the telling of it. Yes. You come back to New York, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I gather that wasn't a tough choice. This is your home. This Mm -hmm. is a family, your network, social networks, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so then you start doing it. You start doing your own shows. Uh, What's the mud guts thing? Uh, Mud Guts is great. I actually did it before I went to L.A. Oh, okay. And it's a monthly show I've had basically since I started stand-up. Okay. At uh, my friend's art gallery. And it's 
It's great. I love it. It's a it's a comedy show in yes. Brooklyn once yeah. a month, um, on Saturdays. It's a great title. Yes, Mud it's guts. it's the name of the gallery. Yes, uh, well, I like that. There's this uh, the influence of the arts keep coming back in and yeah. asserting themselves. Totally. I think that's a good uh, path, Natalie. Yeah. Uh, speaking of art and fashion and how people present themselves, are women's nails getting longer and sharper? Yes, they are. <laughs> I mean, you have a set there that that are are on trend of the moment. Thank you. Yes, um, and, and that's a, a, a decent amount of work. Um, no. No. I mean, <laughs> those are actual. Those are your nails. Those are these are fake nails. Okay, but but it seems like it's a, it tied into a kind of movement of stabbing men's eyes out. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Honing your weapons yes. for the atrocities of man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, if it's that simple. I mean, I did tie it into a kind of the, the surge of uh, witchiness that's out there. Totally. Um, do you identify with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See, I have to keep mine short because I do a lot of work on the potter's wheel. Wow. I uh, do a lot of uh, ceramics and things to hold incense and crystals. Very cool. And uh, this is my busy season when it comes to the solstice. But uh, witchiness really out there. Yes. Do you do any witchy activities other than the tarot and all that? Hmm. Spells? Seances? No. I think I do. I think I – I mean, I really believe in the way that you channel energy. Yeah. And how that changes your life. And I guess that could be considered witchy. Sure. But, yeah. Self-determination. Totally. Higher power. It. Yeah. Yeah. And on this journey of uh, self-awareness, self-actualization that you uh, have been on, self-acceptance. Totally. Where are you on the on the path? I feel great. I feel like coming back to New York was this amazing thing that I did. And rebuilding my life and my career in New York, I feel really empowered being an individual that way. And I feel really good about it. And, and was there a step, though, that you feel like actually, other than coming to New York and changing the environment, yeah. was there something else that you did that really twisted it for you, that, that unlocked it for you, that um, made it easier? Therapy? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a valid answer. I think self-reflection and um, I don't know. I know this is very cliche, but sometimes you have to go to rock bottom to get to the top. I'm telling you. Yeah. And when I was in L.A., I felt like I was at rock bottom. And coming here, I was able – feeling that way, I kind of, like, lit the flame and was able to um, feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of rock bottoming out in L.A. Yeah. It's, it's really hard because as a New Yorker, I'm very, like, go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And in L.A., people do one thing a day. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was very hard for me to slow my pace down that way. Yes, it is very slow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yes, we sometimes traffic in some cliches and things about the two places or about places in general, but uh, it's slow. Yeah. It's slow. It's and, and if you're used to, if you're keyed at a higher register, adjusting to that, downshifting into that. Yeah. Is very difficult. Totally. I mean, people will just not respond. Yeah. Which I was is not very something you're familiar with. For sure. <laughs> if, you, if you came from here, people let you know how they feel all the time. 
constantly. Yeah. Um, but there, a no is just not hearing from someone for six months. Totally. And then you have to say, oh, I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess I can make new plans. Do you find a therapist out there in Los Angeles? No, I had, I was going back to New York a lot to do shows and okay. see my family, and I had been seeing this therapist. It's not like there's anything wrong with me. I just felt like like there's like therapy is so stigmatized. But I is it still? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It feels like everybody has one. I was able to just like make decisions for myself and yeah. and like learn to trust myself and love myself through the process of digesting my experience. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes just laying it out and talking it through, you you get a little perspective on it. Yeah. And it's helpful. Totally. And then if you pull a tarot card, great. You say, okay, good. I'm on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, will you be going back to – are you doing any other acting things while you're here? Has that also uh, kept up? Um, I – that's kind of like next on my list. Yeah. It's like just got new headshots, want to reach out and find representation for acting. But I really am focusing on comedy, and I hope that it comes full circle. Yeah. What's the what's the uh, Natalie that's on stage in comedy? Um, I think I'm a little more. I think I'm a little sassier. Sassier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm a little more, as my mother would say, obscene. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't approve. She does approve. She, <laughs> but she. Yeah, she's like, I think you can write about other things, too. Why don't you just do what Jerry Seinfeld does? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that easy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why we don't all do that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, but generally supportive, it seems like. She's super supportive. They got supportive. you into some good situations. Yeah. The dad, Your dad's still around? He is, yeah. Okay, they together? No. Okay, a long time? Don't uh, have to. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Enough that you're used to it. Yeah. Yes, it's not the shock of a new thing. No, they're no. good. They're okay. fine. And also supportive? Yeah. In as much as they can be. Exactly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And uh, uh, you got plans for the holidays? You're going to do something? I am going to watch so many Christmas movies. Oh, you like it? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. My wife, Glinda, is a big uh, champion of these things. Glinda so... the Good Witch? <laughs> well, she is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, but uh, yes. Um, uh, what's, your, what's your channel? Hallmark? Lifetime? Netflix? Oh. Netflix. Netflix. So you're looking forward to What is the one that's coming up with that one? Well, I'm very excited to watch. It's not on Netflix. Oh. But I am excited to watch Elf and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Okay. So forgive me. I was thinking you want to just watch these Lifetime holiday movies. No. But you're saying just holiday movies. Yes. You see, I'm in a different gear there where right. I'm dreading the onslaught of <laughs> Right. We have a different. They're, diff- they're good holiday movies. movies. Uh, some of them are. If you want to know what happened to 80s child stars, <laughs> well, they're, they're trying to choose between life in the country and life in the city. There you go. And the city is always evil and yeah. terrible. <laughs> uh, but you're just thinking generally holiday movies, ready to go. You're excited about it. Yes. You love them. Elf is a great picture. So good. It's so good. So comforting. <laughs> and New York. Yeah. It's very New York. 
Um, well, uh, as we as we bring this to a close, um, what what's twenty twenty hold for you? Um, Are you optimistic about the future? You seem yeah. to me very optimistic. Hell yeah. Okay. Performing, doing comedy, traveling more. Yep. Rock and roll, baby. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that all sounds I'm ready good. for life. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, uh, Natalie, this has been great. I feel optimistic. I feel uh, uh, ready for <laughs> uh, self-awareness. And uh, I, I wish you great success on your continuing journey. Thank you. Uh, to put all the pieces together. It's great to see. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Natalie Cuomo. We'll be hearing more from her, I imagine. And with solid training as an actor, who knows she could do anything? We can do anything. I hope you're thriving. I'm doing okay as we prepare for the solstice. I'm full of excitement and optimism. I hope you've gone out and bought the albums or seen the shows or read the books that our guests are putting out there. Look no further for quality content, folks. And as always, if you enjoy this show, go ahead and give us a nice rating or review over on Apple Podcasts, won't you? It's been a while since we received any action over there. So, you know, keep my heart beating. Write a little note. Your support helps me in dark times to remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley, Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaru. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode provided by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm. Production studio space provided by Harvest Works in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thanks for listening. And this season, I encourage you to leave your portals open. <laughs>